And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Welcome to the program. It is Tuesday, May 16th. And happy birthday to my mother. Glad to have all of you with us today. We are live from the bunker. My name is Jason Hunt. I am the editor here at sci fi for mecom where we just recently posted uh, Mrs. Boss's review of uh, Fractal Noise by, is it Christopher Paolini? Or Richard Paolini? It is is Christopher Christopher Paolini. All right, Christopher Paolini's Fractal Noise. Yeah, this is his first venture into, well, this series that he's writing is his first venture into science fiction. Everybody knows him for the Inheritance Cycle that he wrote years and years ago, which is fantasy. Um, And he has done kind of the same thing going on with this, where It's going to be multiple books. I do not know how many at this point, but it is science fiction. So it is a it's definitely a step out. But um, previously, earlier last month, I did my review on the first of the books, which was uh, Sea of Stars to uh, to sleep in a Sea of Stars. And that is up for you to find over on our dot com. This review, now he did a little something different. The second book in the series is actually online at his website, takes place after the first book, and it's kind of that choose your own adventure. So you have to, you have a task at hand, and you get to decide, well, are you going to do this? Are you going to do that first? And each option has its consequence. Um, So it is, it's not a long read, but it is enough that uh, you really should, you know, make sure you read that after you read the first book. And then the rest of the review goes into the third book, which is re- uh, gets released th- this week. And that is Fractal Noise. Um, it's good. Uh, if you liked his work with the Inheritance Cycle, this is definitely shown that he's grown as a writer. And and the Inheritance Cycle, for those of you who are not familiar, that's the Aragon stories, right? Yes, the, with the dragons. With the dragon. So um, Aragon, Eldus, Brissinger, Brissinger and uh, Inheritance. And in fact, uh, just to give everybody a heads up, if you liked it, in November, he is coming out with a new book that is kind of one of those sideline spinoffs, however you want to best, Murtaugh, which who you will know from those series. Um, So, and apparently Murtaugh was talked about in his little short story that he wrote, the 
worm which was something I I don't remember the name of that. I actually still have to read it. But um okay. anyway, but yeah, I do I do recommend this. Uh, if you loved his world building then and his character development, this is definitely a good one and um the beauty I think of this series that he's got going on is you don't know where he's going to go next. It can go forward, it can go backwards, it can go anywhere in the middle, which I think is really neat. So check it out. Highly recommend it. And per the reporting we did when we found out he was doing this, everything's written. It's just a matter of being published. Yep. All right, so there is that over on our .com. And uh, I want to give a shout-out to people who are listening to this program as a podcast because you can do that. Um, and uh, we've got listeners all over the world, Germany, Poland, uh, East Europe, Russia, Canada, New Zealand. So uh, if you are listening to this as a podcast, I do want to invite you to check out the live video every now and again. We are broadcasting live right now to YouTube, Odyssey, Rumble, and Twitch. And i got to say, my numbers over on both Rumble and Twitch are pretty good right now. We're, we're clocking in about five times as many people watching on each of those platforms as we are on YouTube. So there is that. We've also got social media. You can leave a comment and you can sign up on our Discord server. So all the different places where you can connect with us. Uh, I do have a programming note. I believe it's today uh, at 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I believe I'm scheduled to appear on Owen Cotter's Sci Fiction channel over on YouTube. So, uh, so there is that. We'll, we'll. Uh, I need to. I need to confirm that. We'll put the link out in the socials. But uh, I don't know what we're talking about. But we'll just carry around and talk for a little bit. <coughs> and then, of course, we got the H two O podcast tonight at uh, at eight p.m. Eastern. Okay. So, uh, real quick, couple of things before I get. <coughs> excuse me. Before I get into the main topic of the hour. Uh, we have uh, Superman Legacy news-ish. Um, before we get to that, let me say hi to everybody in the chat. We've got Cam, we've got Dave, we've got uh, Michael. Uh, Keeley's in there. Uh, Mrs. Boss is in there. Uh, Cam says, YouTube demonetized a history channel. Oh. They've been doing some of that. Quite a bit shenanigans i i don't know if they're i don't know if they're throttling our traffic um i have been kind of poking the bear a little bit over on twitter because youtube will say hey what video do you like it's your favorite it's like how about the one that you copyright struck us i i've been i've been i've been poking at him a little bit i should probably behave myself so <clears throat> anyway all right so so Superman Legacy, this is a Hollywood Reporter. Uh, Boris Kitt and Mia Galopo, May 13th, talking about the casting uh, process for Superman Legacy, which is moving forward. The script is done, so the writer strike has not uh, impacted this yet. <coughs> and uh, it'll be... Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Searching for Superman, this is the headline, this is the Heat Vision blog. Searching for Superman inside the quest to cast DC's new top hero. 
the quest for James Gunn Superman is up, up, and away. <sighs> Casting for Superman Legacy, the feature meant to kick off Gunn and Peter Safran's much-vaunted first chapter of DC Studios, is hitting a crucial phase with a short list of names bubbling up for the roles of Clark Kent, Lois Lane, and even Lex Luthor. David Corenswet, who recently played the ill-fated projectionist opposite Mia Goth and Pearl, is among the top contenders to play Kent, a.k.a. Superman, as if we didn't know that. Advancing to the screen test stage, that will likely take place after Memorial Day or in early June, multiple sources tell The Hollywood Reporter. Two other contenders may also be in the mix, but their identities remain unknown. Now, we've heard from other sources that Nicholas Holt could be the frontrunner, so you've got two there. You've got uh, Nicholas Holt, who played Beast in X-Men First Class. Uh, he's currently playing Renfield in that, in, that, uh, in that picture opposite Nicolas Cage's Dracula. Uh, so he's a, a contender, as is David Cornsweat. And, and I've looked at fan art of the both of them, and I think Cornsweat's got the, got the better look in terms of, you know, Superman. <clears throat> and yes, David Holt Holt has the acting chops. I have not seen uh, David Cornsweat in anything, so I I couldn't uh, I couldn't give you an opinion on his talent. Uh, but just going off of does he look like Superman? Uh, that he's he's the one out of the two that I think looks most like all of the usual comic book depictions of Superman. But Holt, Nicholas Holt could could uh, could do it too. Uh, from the article, Jacob Elordi, the sought-after star who broke out as the resident villain on HBO series Euphoria, is another name that surfaced for the role of Kent, but sources say he never submitted himself into the ring. Uh, as for Lane, the spunky reporter at Metropolis' Daily Planet news organization, contenders have been Emma Mackey, one of the stars in the Netflix series Sex Education, who will also appear in Warner Brothers Barbie. Uh, Rachel Bro Brosnahan, the Emmy-winning star of Amazon's acclaim of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Bridgerton actress Phoebe Denver, and Samara Weaving, last seen in Scream 6. It's unclear who is advancing onto the testing stage. Brosnahan is said to have delivered an outstanding audition, but at 32 may be in the older range for what Gunn is ultimately hoping to achieve, a look at Metropolis Heroics via 20-something characters. Now, since then, since this article has come out, James Gunn has said, don't believe everything you read online. Uh, there is not anybody uh, cast yet. Uh, he says, well, I tell you that he's cast someone in a small supporting role. Uh, he has confirmed that. Not any of the major roles. And um, Brosnahan says... Was it Brosnahan that said it? Somebody, one of them, said that, uh, don't believe everything you read. She, there was, oh, who was it? I think, I want to say it was Brosnahan, said that, uh, yeah, the one from Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Um, she's basically kind of poo-pooed the idea. She said it's, it would be fantastic, it would be great to play Lois Lane, but she hasn't, uh, she hasn't said anything uh, to confirm that she's even auditioned for it yet. So, who knows? We'll see. Um, Dave says, could Lois Lane be a few years older than Clark Kent? Lane the Cougar. You know, 
<coughs> see, this has always been my take. And they kind of they kind of sort of got it got it right in the Richard Donner movies. I have always thought that Lois Lane was a little bit older than Clark Kent. And the reason for that is because she has been uh, at the Daily Planet for a long time. She's an established career reporter, award-winning journalist, Pulitzer Prize, all that stuff. And yeah, Clark has been off gallivanting around and making, you know, you know, saving people and, and averting disasters and learning learning things and doesn't get into journalism or anything else until later. And the general conventional wisdom has been that he makes his debut as Superman around the age thirty. Same as same as Bruce Wayne making his debut as Batman. Around the age thirty ish. It's not that's not locked in stone. But for the most part, you know, they go off on their own after they grow up 18, 19 years old and and find themselves. And in the in the in the movie, uh, the Chris Reeve movie, it was 12 years. So when he left 18, he left home, he went up to the Fortress of Solitude and they spent 12 years learning everything there is to know about the 28 known galaxies. And so he's 30 when he's Superman and he makes his debut in Metropolis. And I've always thought that Lois Lane is a little bit older. So I wouldn't have a problem with Lois being a little bit older uh, than Superman. Uh, Michael says, disagree. If you, if you go the Legion of Superheroes, Superboy continuity, Cougar Lane makes more sense. I see. I'm 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 fine with Lois being older. I'm I'm not saying that she can't be. Now the Superboy continuity, depending on how you feel about that, because in recent era, you know, post uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, there was no Clark did not have a career as Superboy. So depending on which continuity you want to go with, Superboy may or may not be in the past for Clark Kent. Uh, they could be reserving Superboy for Connor, the clone, or for Jonathan, the son. Um, so at, it, you know, it depends on, on which take that James Gunn wants to do. But I would be fine with Lois Lane being a little bit older than Clark. All right, another not, another news item, and I have some speculation on this one. Disney, ex-CEO Bob Chapek, CFO, hit with shareholder suit over streaming losses. Disney's been hit with another lawsuit. And I think this is a rather interesting situation here. Because this has some questions. This brings up some questions and some possibilities. And my my wheels start turning. The little the little squirrel in the wheel kind of goes, let's go this. This is Jill Goldsmith and Dominic Patton, May 15th. So this is published yesterday in Deadline. Uh, shareholder is suing the former CEO along with former executive Kareem Daniel. Current CFO, Christine McCarthy, 
and the company itself alleging violations of securities law for misleading statements about Disney Plus and the health of the streaming business. Filed on May 12th, the suit by Local 272 Labor Management Pension Fund filed in U.S. District Court for the Central District of California seeks a lead plaintiff for a class action representing purchasers of Disney shares between December 10th, 2020 and November 8th, 2022 when the company dramatically missed earnings guidance and the stock took a major hit after an already bumpy year. Uh, the complaint reads, uh, in part, quote, Defendants throughout the class period made false and or misleading statements and or failed to disclose that, one, Disney Plus was suffering decelerated subscriber growth, losses, and cost overruns. Two, the true cost incurred in connection with Disney Plus had been concealed by Disney executives by debuting certain content intended for Disney Plus initially on Disney's legacy distribution channels and then making the shows available on Disney Plus thereafter to improperly shift costs out of the Disney Plus segment. Three, Disney had made platform distribution decisions based not on consumer preference, consumer behavior, or the desire to maximize the size of the audience for the content as represented, but based on the desire to hide the full cost of building Disney Plus's content library, and four, Disney was not on track to achieve even the reduced 2024 Disney Plus paid global subscriber and profitability targets. Such targets were not achievable, and such estimates lacked a reasonable basis in fact. So they're basically, it's, it's a 39-page complaint. And they're basically saying that Disney was shuffling the books. And we took all of this, This we, we take this programming, we take this content that's supposed to be for Disney+, and they put it on other channels and associated the cost to those other channels rather than to Disney+, as they should have, apparently, according to this complaint. And they're basically saying that Disney is hiding... The fact that Disney Plus, as a streaming service, lost a ton of money, did not make the goals that they had for subscriber count, which were unrealistic goals, apparently. And what's interesting about this is the fact that they named Bob Iger and Kareem Daniel in this. By name, they are, they are defendants in this. And if this goes to class action, and is, if this goes to trial, this would be an interesting discovery process. Because, remember, when Bob Chapek was ousted, it was an opportunity for the trades to get behind this narrative that all of this woke and everything and all this stuff, this is all Bob Chapek's fault. Well, this presents an opportunity here, if Chapek wants to take it, and if it makes sense to do this, and if it goes to trial, and if there's discovery on this, this is an opportunity to find out just what exactly happened and who knew what and who was trying to fix whatever it was that was broken. Because remember, Bob Chapek had just gotten a brand new deal as CEO 
voted unanimously by the board until he was unceremoniously dumped right before all of the FTX stuff blew up. Timing is everything. And if it comes out in discovery that Bob Chapek was making plans and making efforts to save the company because he saw all of this happening and they fired him for it, then what happens to Bob Iger and Bob Iger's legacy? Because right now, Bob Iger is the savior of Disney, right? He's tried to do everything to save the company, get it back to profitability. But he's implementing the plan that Bob Chapek had started to fix things, to try to fix things. So I don't think this is going to go to trial. It would be interesting if it did, though. We'll keep an eye on this because this is see, Bob Chapek still has not come out and said boo to anybody. And I'm sure he's got an ironclad NDA. Don't talk to anyone or you don't get any of your money. So, we'll see. We'll see. All right, so we've got here a clip. <coughs> it's out of the Cannes Film Festival where they are protesting. They are protesting Johnny Depp's presence. Cannes Film Festival, how dare they have Johnny Depp's <laughs> but we got a clip from Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. And it is footage that we have seen, those of us who have been paying attention and keeping an eye out for this stuff. This is a piece of what got screened at Star Wars Celebration, Lucasfilm Celebration, D23 Celebration, whatever it is that's going to end up being called. Now, this clip is being officially released because Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is going to screen at Cannes. It's going to make its world premiere at Cannes. Hopefully it's finished, Mr. Mangold, Miss Kennedy. Hopefully it's finished. Uh, but this is uh, what's been called as this is this is being called the rickshaw chase, and I'm not sure exactly where it's located. And it is not all of the footage that screened at celebration. It's only a minute long, and I will interrupt because uh, I don't want to get a a ding. However. I may, I may, I may, you know what, I, I, I may just, I may just do it. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that, and you see that? There it is. Okay, here we go with the clip. It is a minute nine. Are you ready? Are we ready? Here we go. From Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. You think he'd be proud of this? Ah! Your father 
His only daughter selling her soul for bail money. Now, here's here's the thing that I noticed right off the bat, and I'll I'll back this up and play it again. The music doesn't seem to fit. And I know it's John Williams. And I know John Williams has done Indiana Jones music before. This feels really thin. Your father, his only daughter, selling her soul for bail money. Sounds quite good cool if you feel like that. And it's not all bail money. Some of it's gambling debts and stuff. Helena, no! Helena! All right, so you have Helena. You've got Indiana Jones chasing Helena. She's chasing somebody else. And they're all chasing her. And and it and the guy chasing them in the back has an interest in her, is my understanding here. So Helena! How did you end up like this? I don't know. I just realized what bothers me about this. Hold on. All right, I just I just realized what bothers me about this. It's it's not it's not edited as tightly, so the pace is off. Because right here, uh, let's see, where it slams into, uh, uh, where they slam into them, and it and Andy doing that right there, that shot takes too long for him to react. And then we get to that, and then he jumps. That takes too long. And this shot right here, him jumping out of that, that's way too smooth. All of this, this is all cut a little bit too loose. All, all of this here. I'm sorry, let me show you. This shot here where he's jumping, where he jumps into the, where he jumps into the rickshaw, all of this here... Him reacting, and then because he he reacts twice, he looks, he looks, and then he reacts, and the camera pushes in, and we don't even really get a good shot of what's coming at him. This is not a good shot. And then he slides out. Woo! Doesn't it look like he's on wires there? Just the way he moves, the stunt guy's on wires. And then we're up to here. And somebody mentioned the 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 basket scene the music in the basket scenes kind of like this one but this one this one is much more of an intense chase than the basket scene i would expect i mean it feels like it would be because it's a car chase and there's wrecks and there's injury and all this. i'm i'm looking at this and i'm like i i don't i don't know what to think about this I um I don't know what to think about this. <coughs> because it doesn't feel like an Indiana Jones movie. It kind of does. 
It kind of does. But. Hold that thought. We're going to take a real quick break. We'll be back right after this. Stand by. Live from the bunker. The radio show that's almost as good as bacon. The concept of flying cars Uh is just a terrible, terrible idea. It is a disastrous idea. People can't drive on a level, flat surface, let alone, you know, it's, uh, trust me, this is one of those things where you want Khan to be thinking two-dimensionally. The H2O Podcast, Monday night at 8, only on Sci-Fi for Me TV. Good morning, Multiverse. Saturday morning at 11, 10 Central, only on Sci-Fi for Me TV. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Back live from the bunker. And I, I'm i watching this, and it is, a, it is a piece of the footage that got screened at Celebration. And I've seen all of that. It's the entire it's the entire chase, essentially, from Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. And I can tell you right now, it doesn't get any better. I'm not going to play that clip because it it was a leak uh, from Celebration. It was it was cell phone and somebody recorded it and and posted it out. We get, and we managed to get a copy of it before it got pulled. But I'm looking at the rest of that chase. And it's it doesn't get any better. Now, for the most part, the chase kind of works. It's just it feels slow. It it feels like there aren't any stakes. And I don't know if it's the conversation that's going on between Indy and Helena throughout this entire thing. Or if it's the editing, if it's just something about it, the pace just feels off. And I'm looking at this, and I've, I've watched it a couple, two or three times, and I'm like, I, I just don't, it, 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 it doesn't feel like a Spielberg, Indiana Jones movie. And it's not, it's James Mangold, so it's going to be a little bit different stylistically. But it doesn't feel like an Indiana Jones movie. Now, yesterday, we were talking about Quantum Leap 2.0. And I think I have touched... uh, I think I've I've stumbled onto an accidentally brilliant analogy here. When I say that Quantum Leap 2.0 feels like the online copycat recipe for for the Cheddar Bay Biscuits from Red Lobster, this kind of feels like the same thing. It feels like we have the recipe, we have the ingredients, but we're not exactly sure what it's supposed to taste like. And we're making the copycat recipe in an attempt to 
convince everybody that we're making the real thing. That's what this feels like. And I really want to be wrong. I do. I really want to be wrong. But right now, this doesn't quite have the energy that you would expect from an Indiana Jones movie. Some of that's probably the fact that Harrison Ford is 80 years old. And some of it, how, how much of it is trying to fix it in post and reshoots to fix it in post and editing to fix it in post and hopefully we can get it fixed in post before it goes on, on to con to screen. Who knows? But it does not feel dynamic enough to be an Indiana Jones movie. And again, that could be just me. And it's a tiny, it's a short clip. The, the stuff that leaked from Celebration is even, it's not very much longer. It's like three minutes, two and a half minutes. So it's not much longer than this. And, you know, there's, there's pieces that come after this. But it, it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel finished. It feels like it needs one more pass in the editing to tighten it up and get that scene just... Because if you remember in the original Indiana Jones movies, the first three of them especially, all of the editing was just like bang, 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 bang. It, it, it just, it, there was energy to it. There was a pace. and Because, again, remember what kind of movie they were trying to make. They were making the Saturday morning serials from the 1930s. And, yes, you had some long pieces of that, and yes, you had some, some dialogue and some exposition and, and whatever. But the Indiana Jones movies have an energy to them because of how they're edited. And this one doesn't quite feel like it's there yet. <laughs> Keely says, there are only three Indiana Jones movies. There are plenty of people who would agree with that. Oh, and by the way, I saw, speaking of editing, I saw this morning on Instagram, <coughs> and I don't know that I've got it pulled up anywhere, but I saw on Instagram the, um, the editing guild, the editing guild has come out and said... You know, our contracts are coming up here soon, too. So not only do we have SAG, not only do we have Directors Guild, but now the Editing Guild is starting to make some noise. Hollywood's in trouble. Hey, Dave, yeah, you're right. Goes to show you the brilliance of editor Michael Kahn from the from the, the three indie films. A agreed. I, I, think, I think editing... You know, we've said this, uh, yes, Ace, uh, the, the Amer American, I can't remember the, 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 uh, the acronym, but the, um, the old adage is true. You tell a story three times when you make a movie. You, the first time is when you write the script. The second time is when you shoot the movie, and the third time is when you edit the movie. 
because what you get on the screen is not necessarily what started out on the page. It changes, and and it fluctuates. You you know you get actors will improvise stuff. They'll come up with something. Well, we need a we need a scene to drop in here to kind of explain this and tie into this and make this make a little bit more sense. You get the reshoots and everything, and then you you edit the thing together, and then you have hopefully a cohesive story that holds together and, and doesn't contradict its own logic internally. And uh, I don't, I, I'm, I'm making no judgments about the story, okay? I, we've all heard the rumors. We all know what this, American Cinema Editors, thank you, Dave. We've all heard the stories. We all know the rumors. We all know what's supposed to be happening in this thing. We all know what we suspect is happening in this movie. I'm not speaking to the to the content of the story, the substance of the story. I, I, I This clip is not enough to give us an idea of that. But it does give me a sense of the pace and the editing that's being done. And if it's that loose throughout the entire film... I have a concern because when you cut something, when you cut an action adventure that loosely with that much of a gap in time in certain shots, you run the risk of the thing losing energy and your audience gets bored. I don't have any investment in any of these characters in in this particular situation because I don't get a sense of stakes. I don't get a sense of danger here. There's supposed to be. I mean, people are shooting guns. People are running into walls. I, there's supposed to be danger here. And I don't get a sense of danger. And I'm going to have a real tough time believing that an 80-year-old Indiana Jones with all of the mileage is going to be able to move that well anywhere, in any circumstance. Regardless, regardless of how well he's kept in shape all this time, in, in story continuity and out, you know, Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford's in good shape. <coughs> Except for, you know, all of the times he's broken a bone and had to go to the hospital and have surgery and recover because, you know, accidents happen and plane crashes happen and whatnot. I mean, he's not young. It takes a long time to recover from these things, from these injuries. But he's, you know, he's he's right in there. He's a trooper. He's getting it done. But how much of this is him? And how much of this is going to be face replacement? Because we know the stuff at the parade on the horse, most of that is a stunt guy with the face painted on. Because when they were shooting that stuff in London, Harrison Ford was back here in the States recovering from surgery. And that's going to make a difference. Jay says he could barely run in Crystal Skull and, and Episode 7. Yeah, I mean, it does catch up to you. I'm 53, and I have trouble getting around 
Of course, I have a back injury from ninth grade, so that complicates things a little bit. But, you know, that's one injury. How many has Harrison Ford had over the years? Uh, Dave says, when does loose become sloppy? It's a fine line. It is a very fine line. I I don't know. I'm I want to be optimistic about this Indiana Jones movie. I do. I really do. As cynical as I am, as 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 much as I look at the world now and think we are on the cusp of civilization being lost on my darker days, as much as all of that is in my head a lot, I still want to be optimistic about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I do. I really do. But clips like this don't help. They, it, just, it just doesn't. And it goes back to what I was saying about the recipe. It really does feel like everybody who's doing remakes and sequels and requels and prequels and whatever else nowadays, they're using the online copycat recipe. Because how many of them were there in the beginning? How many of them were there the first time? I would give you probably even odds that most of them weren't. Kathleen Kennedy was there. But Kathleen Kennedy didn't do a lot. Frank Marshall was there, but Frank Marshall's not there in this one. Spielberg was there, but he's checked out of this one. George Lucas is not involved. Harrison Ford was there. And ostensibly, we understand that Harrison Ford is one of the few people who has to have script approval before they ever move forward on production. So one would assume he's happy with the script. How much of that got changed after he signed on and then they hired Phoebe Waller-Bridge to come in and do some rewrites? And by then he's stuck. He's committed. Is he making the best of it? Is he completely 100% committed on board, let's go, rah, rah, yay, us? Or is he just now fulfilling an obligation? Those are questions. And I think they're legitimate questions. We will find out when the movie hits theaters. What is it, June 30th, I think, is... Something like that, June 30th. I'm hoping that we get a press screening. I'm hoping that we get previews. I would like to see this one early. Just to be able to say, we've seen it. Go see it. Don't go see it. And, you know, there are going to be people who are constitutionally going to be against going to see it at all. Because Disney. And you're perfectly within your right to do that. You want to you wanna keep your money and not give it to Disney? That's a legitimate decision to make. And I wouldn't fault anyone who says, I'm staying home for this one. 
I'll watch it on streaming later, or I'll you know sail sail the seven seas and yo ho ho, and I'll I'll see it that way. I do not encourage that. I do not endorse that. Piracy is theft because you have a lot of people who have worked on this thing. It's not just the corporation that you're sticking it to when you do that. But I can completely understand people not wanting to see this movie in theaters. I'm hesitant myself. I <clears throat> Big movies like this, big action-adventure movies like this, they play better on the big screen. But that's assuming... That's assuming that it's a decent edit on the movie and it's cut together with a good pace and it moves and it and it takes you along you get swept up in it and it's fun to watch and I don't know the rest of this clip is about like this and at no point in any part of this chase do I ever feel like anybody's in danger and that that concerns me because this is probably early on in the movie but still if you have no sense of stakes if you're not invested in the characters then what's the point? We'll see. I, we got a month and a half. We'll find out. Anyway, let me know what you think. Send me an email live from the bunker at sci-fi4me.com. Leave a comment on any of the video platforms. Uh, and if you are listening to this as a podcast, you can leave a comment there too. Um, we don't get a whole lot of interaction on any of the podcast platforms, and that's fine. Of course, you can join the Discord, and you can do it that way. Uh, coming up tonight, we've got a brand new H2O podcast, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central. I'm not sure what we're going to talk about, but we're going to talk about something. And, uh... You can find us on various different social media platforms, all the different video platforms, the Discord server, the newsletter, subscribe star. All these links are in the notes for you to explore and uh, do what you will with those as you see fit, I guess. So that's going to do it for us today, folks. Thanks very much for being here. Uh, join us tonight for more conversation. Jump over on Discord for even more conversation. And remember, the politicians hate you. The media lies to you. And we're finding out about that, aren't we? <clears throat> God has a plan for you, and there are four lights. This has been a presentation of SciFiForMe.com. Copyright 2023 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio.